0: evening, everybody. I'm Here online, Pastor Wayne here from Summit Church of Douglas County. i got the Denver skyline behind me here. Hey, um, we're going to be doing a, a Bible study that if you missed this morning, I'm doing it for my online audience. And so this is Hebrews 7 through 13. And that might seem like a lot of ground to cover in a short period of time. But those of you who are studying the Bible with us week to week, I, know I don't want you to miss a single uh, lesson here. So we're going to get into this talk tonight called Five Facts of Faith. Five Facts of Faith from Hebrews 7 to 13. And you know, facts are important. Facts, it's been said, facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> it's true. There's some things that are objectively true, whether we like them or not. And we can have some knowledge and some truth about God that we can take uh, on on God's reputation. Because God said so, because His Word says it. Last week we were, we were um, talking about the, the the five metaphors of faith or I think there were maybe even six metaphors that we covered and we left off when we were talking about Christ being our high priest in the order, in the order of Melchizedek he was a prophet priest king and So that's where we're going to continue uh, here tonight in chapter 7, and that discussion continues about Christ and his priestly office with us. Uh, Forgive me for using my glasses here tonight because I highlighted with a pink highlighter, and I can't see it very well because it's really dark. So forgive my Scrooge McDuck glasses here. Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, is what it says here in Hebrews 7, verse 1. Uh, Skipping down to the second part of verse 2, it says, The name Melchizedek means king of peace, and the king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end uh, to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was, Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now, the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must co- collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who is not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Now, there's some powerful stuff there. And... Um, we, when we think about Christ being our Melchizedek. Sorry, I wasn't scrolling the scripture for you, but I'll get to that. When we, when we receive Christ and when we um, recognize his lordship, we're recognizing his priestly um, place, his, his authority in our lives. So Jesus is our perfect high priest. In, in, verse, chap- in verse 12 here, now <laughs> I'll scroll this the way I should do it here. In verse 12, it says, And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we're talking about belongs to a different tribe, whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is, our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. Jesus is like Melchizedek. This change has been made very clear since a different priest, who is like Melchizedek, has appeared. Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now that is... some. that's some pretty wild stuff. And you, you you need to read the book of Genesis and this account of Abraham meeting Melchizedek to, to probably get a, a fuller picture of what was going on here. My belief is that Melchizedek was a pre-incarnational um, meeting where Jesus actually appeared to Abraham as this prophet, priest, king. And... It it, it talks more about Christ being like the Son of God here. And so let's look in verse 22. Verse 22 says, Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There are many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able, once and for all, to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. And so, I'll just continue. He is the kind of high priest that we need because he's holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Skipping down here to the end, and it says, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. they did this for their own sins but but they, then they for the sins of all the people. but Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for people's sins. the peop- the law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. That's pretty amazing that Jesus has really replaced the priesthood in many ways. We don't have to have another human being be the go-between between us and God. Jesus has become that for us. And so... Letting Jesus play that role or fill that role in your life is a very important um, truth to embrace when you um, understand that, that you can go to God without going to another human being. You don't have to have another human being other than Christ, the God-man, who who is 100% man and 100% God, and he's made a way for us to know God and to be with God. So... Um, today, it's um, we're gonna we're gonna be studying the faith chapter within Hebrews uh, eleven to thirteen. Falls Hebrews eleven, which is known as the faith chapter, and I'm actually gonna read that that whole chapter. Um, because I don't think there's anything I can add to it. I think it's uh, powerful enough on its own that it stands on its own. Hey, while you're there by your computer or your phone, will you do me this favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel, click the bell, ding the bell so you get notifications, and and press the th- like button, and that will help us grow the ministry online with more people. And if you're watching this on a different platform, look for my handle Pastor Wayne H on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Periscope, Twitch, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and that helps us a lot. I forgot to do that at the very beginning. So we're continuing here in chapter eight. Christ is our high priest, and so. We're just honing in on this idea that Jesus is our way maker between us and God. So in, in chapter 8, which we're going to look at now, I'm going to pull this up, if it will come up, hopefully. Nope. All right, well, I'll read it. <laughs> chapter 8, verse 4, um, actually, let's skip down to verse 6. But Jesus is our high priest, and he's been given the ministry that is superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 10, but this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, God wanted to make a new agreement, a new contract, a new testament, a new covenant. And Jesus was the one who signed it in his blood. And he was the one that had to pay the price for that covenant. And chapter nine speaks about the old rules of worship and the old rules of high priests. Here's what it says in chapter nine, verse seven, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people that had committed they had committed in ignorance, but these regulations the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. You see, the earthly tabernacle was just a pattern of the one that's in heaven. It was just a shadow, it was just a type of what was going on in the very presence of God. In verse 11 here of chapter 9, Christ is our perfect sacrifice. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is not made by human hands and is not a part of this created world with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. So Jesus in his own sacrifice, with his perfect blood, did away with the old sacrificial system of, of sacrificing animals by sacrificing himself. And that's the beauty of Christ as our high priest, which takes us to chapter 10. And this is fact number two. The second fact of faith is that the righteous live by faith. The righteous live by by faith. You know, it was hard to be a Christian in the time of the early church. And the writer of Hebrews is, is writing this letter to encourage them because in many ways people wanted to give up. Be- being a Christian in a pagan culture was very, very difficult. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses, verse 19. Let me see if I can get this to come up here. All right. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right, boldly go right into his presence, into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for god can be trusted to keep his promise let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And how much more is that true now than ever? We know that Christ is coming soon. He says, dear friends, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice, so we'll cover these sins. In other words, you can't just uh, ignore the salvation and pretend that you're living the old life. Once you belong to God, you need to behave as one of God's kids. Um, verse 29 says just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God who have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us for we know the one who said I will take revenge I will pay them back he also said the Lord will judge his own people it is a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God so we We have to behave as if we belong to God because we do. We've been purchased. We've been adopted. We're members of his household. And as God's kids, we need to act like it. We need to talk like it. We need to take on the the cultural core values of the kingdom of God. What are those core values? Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? All the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You know, to love God and to love people, letting love be our highest aim. So we don't get pulled into controversies. We don't act in hateful ways. We behave like Jesus did in this world. That's that's our goal. And so, uh, verse thirty-five of chapter ten says, "So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember." The great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. The righteous live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And I want to read to you the faith chapter. Um, And I'm not going to add any commentary to it because I believe that the faith chapter actually preaches itself. Um, It's so powerful. And give me a second here. I'm going to pull it up and see if I can it up on my screen because I want I want to scroll it in such a way that you can see it there we go so Hebrews chapter 11 and it says this great examples of faith faith shows the reality of what we hope for it is the evidence of things that we cannot see through their faith the people in days of old earned a good reputation by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up into heaven without dying, He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That is a definition of faith. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that he had never, that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith. He was like a foreigner, living in tents, and so did Abraham. Uh, Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city whose builder and maker was God. I'm going to keep on going with my paper Bible here because my iPad just died on me. And so, the city whose builder and maker was God. All these people died still believing that what God had promised them, they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to, to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly land. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. And he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. And they saw that that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward." It was by faith that Moses led, left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill the firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in the battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, and some were sawed in half, and others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith yet none of them received all that God had promised for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us people of faith people of God people of Christ people of Israel are all one people and we're all going to reach the finish line together isn't that a beautiful idea the hall of faith the hall of fame of people of faith beautiful Fact number four God is calling. God is calling. Will you answer? Are you listening? See, Chapter 12 of Hebrews 12 says God's discipline proves his love. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, that long list he just mentioned, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding shame. Jesus Christ himself is the greatest example of faith. There were many times when Jesus struggled with his own faith. There were times when the crowds went away and he said, guys, are you going to leave too? And the disciples said, Lord, to whom would we go? You alone have the words of life. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, he said, Lord, Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Many times Jesus was struggling with his own humanity, even though he was completely God at the same time. And his perfect sacrifice, his perfect life, makes for the perfect covering for your sins and my sins. An an eternal sacrifice for, for the good of mankind, if we'll just receive him. Because God is calling. He's calling you. He's calling me. The question is, will we answer the call? Verse 22 says, we haven't come to a physical mountain, but verse 22 says, No, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, those whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things, You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Jesus' blood brings us to a place of forgiveness instead of vengeance. Isn't that beautiful? Chapter 13, and the final fact of faith Faith is practical. Faith is practical. This letter of Hebrews was written to Jewish people everywhere in the Roman Empire, especially amongst the churches that were planted around the Mediterranean Sea. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you yourself were there. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Skipping down to verse 15 of Hebrews 13, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow, for that certainly would be of no benefit for you. Verse 20, Now may the God of peace, who brought you up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, a great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May He produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to Him. All glory to Him for ever and ever. Amen. So, He finishes the letter this way. He says, "I want you to know, our, brother, our brothers and sisters." to pay attention to what I've written in this brief exhortation. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May the God may God's grace be with you all. That is the remaining portion of Hebrews chapter 7 through 13. I gave you the speed study here tonight. But I encourage you to read Hebrews for yourself and dig down into some of these truths of the passages that Jesus is the perfect high priest, that Jesus that set the example that the righteous live by faith, that we want to be a part of the hall of faith, the hall of fame. We need to listen to God's call and we need to live out our faith practically in practice, not just to be a Sunday morning Christian, not just to be a Christian when you feel like it or when it's convenient, but to be a Christian seven days a week, every waking and sleeping moment of your life, that, that you're walking around life, you're always a believer, you're always putting everything through the grid of your faith and your belief and your trust in the Lord. Well, maybe you've watched the study here tonight and you, you've never committed your life to Christ. You haven't even begun the relationship with God through Jesus. It's a very simple prayer to start the relationship. It's a prayer I call STP. Sorry, thank you, please. If you're, if you're willing, if you're ready to make that commitment to invite Christ in, and to let him be the Lord of your life. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Just pray it where you are. If you're busy doing something, just stop what you're doing for a moment and just create a holy space around you and pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin thank you for dying on the cross for me i believe that god raised you from the dead according to the scriptures please come into my heart forgive me of my sin be the lord of my life i want to follow you jesus the rest of my life in your name amen to live the life of faith now when you say yes to jesus it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect But things are certainly gonna be better because you're turning over your life to the care and control of the one who made you, the one who loves you. He knows you better than you even know yourself. He knows what you're gonna say next. He knows what tomorrow looks like. And now you're in a partnership with the God of the universe, with the creator. So he loves you so very much. And we love you too at Summit Church. We're so glad that you've enjoyed the study here tonight. Make sure and come and join us some Sunday morning out at 4240 North Perry Park Road in Sedalia, Colorado, 1030 in the chapel there. And um, here's just a little bit of how to partner with the ministry. But I'm going to give you a, the ironic blessing and we'll be done. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
1: Have a great night, everybody. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Ryma, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.